All right, 1 Samuel chapter 16, and we're going to go almost the whole chapter, so let's get, let's get with this. Now the Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. How many were here last week? Saul. Uh, Saul had one job, right? Tell your neighbor, you had one job. And we talked about that last week, had a lot of fun with that. And, and he said, I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flasks with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my kings. When they arrived, when they arrived, they say, when they arrived, Samuel took one look and Eliab, Eliab, and he thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or by his height, for I have rejected him. We talked about this last week, uh, for I have uh, rejected him. The Lord doesn't see the way things, the way you see them. But people judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. So then <laughs> Jesse summoned, summoned Shemiah. But Samuel said, neither is this one the Lord has chosen. Can you imagine like you're walking by, yeah, no, no, not me. And in the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Have you ever stepped out in faith? And listen to the Lord. And then you don't see the answer right away. And maybe some doubt gets to creep in. And Samuel says, is there anyone else? Do you have any more sons? I mean, think about this. Seven sons. And he goes, do you have any more? Any extras? You know, like, like children? And he, goes, and he goes, yes, they're still the youngest. Jesse replied. But he's out in the fields. And he's watching the sheep and the goats. Come on, everybody. He's doing his job. He's out there doing what he was called to do for that season and that time he was in. I'm telling you, we're going to preach today, all right? And send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down because that is symbolic of I will not sit down when royalty enters the room. And then he says this, until he, I mean, we, will not eat, we will not eat until he arrives. Then he continues to say this. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes, just like your pastor. And the Lord said, thank you. Thank you, mother-in-law. And the Lord, Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. This is him. Anoint him. So David stood there amongst his brothers. Samuel took the flask of olive oil. He brought and he anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you that today's Father's Day. And Father, I thank you for all the dads in this room. Father, I thank you for all the dads that are watching online. The Father, I thank you for every uh, father in, in, in our lives. But Father, I thank you. You are our heavenly Father. The God, I thank you. And, and Father, I thank you that you're a heavenly Father who wants to bless us. Our Heavenly Father who wants to be in our lives. Our Heavenly Father who wants to be active in our lives. Our Heavenly Father who wants to speak to us, to lead us, and to guide us. Because he has some incredible plans for our lives. So, Father, we thank you. Father, we praise you. God, I thank you that you rejected Florida and you selected the Las Vegas Golden Knights. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen and amen and amen. Lord, please, please select the Chicago Bears. Maybe. We'll see. And so... Um, uh, the title of my message today is Rejected and Selected. Rejected and Selected. Rejected and Selected. I was thinking back, uh, man, we are six years old as a church next February. We're going to celebrate seven years as a church. Uh, come on. 
Seven is the number of completion. All right. It's a man. Let's, uh, uh, man, he's going to give us Bellagio. Let's just take over Bellagio Caesars or whatever. And uh, Aria, you know, whatever it is. And, uh, but I remember, uh, what, seven years ago, we were, we were uh, assembling a team. God was speaking to individuals uh, all across the valley and said, man, we got to join uh, together and we're going to start a church together. And so we did interest socials and, man, we were having a, a large, just a large uh, leadership team, about 85 adults plus their kids, so over 100 people on this incredible team. We were outreaching. Uh, man, we were... Uh, doing, uh, inter- we'll call them startup parties, letting people know about our church, but we did not have a location. And that is a big deal, right? And so we were looking everywhere. We had wonderful presentations. We, 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 had, we had gift cards to Starbucks, and we were meeting with, uh, you know, landlords. We were meeting with a lot of schools, and I went to six. 16 different schools, 16 schools, 16 schools, all in this Las Vegas Valley. And how many know when you start getting desperate, you're like, oh, let's, see, let's just, we're going to go to like prompt high school. Like where do we, where are we going to have a church? Because that's what we were told is most churches go into a high school. And so we're going to, we're going to go to you know, a school and I want a high school. I was actually praying, Lord, give us a high school. I don't, I don't want a middle school or an elementary school. I don't want a cafetorium, you know, and I want a high school. And we went to 16 different schools. And can I tell you, 16 schools rejected us. But they were great rejections. I mean, it was like, like I wish I knew you in high school, you know. Like, they were wonderful. I mean, it was just something with the Clark County School District. And, and also, uh, I hate to share this, but also because they they've had previous churches in there. So kind of a sour taste in their mouth. And I was like, oh, man, we'll, 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 we'll buy uniforms. Like, we'll paint the teacher's lounge. Like, like, doing whatever we could to just bless a school. We always want to be a blessing wherever we're at. And so 16 schools said no to us. 16 rejections. I was going, Lord, what's your deal? We've ran out of high schools. You know, I even went to Bishop Gorman. You know, like, anybody? You know, I went everywhere. And 16 rejections until one day I was driving down the road after I got rejected by high school. Nice rejections though. They're like, we really like you, but I was like, no, but you know, and, and so I was driving from a, a rejection down this road, uh, down this uh, Patrick street, never been on it before and seen this property and said, what if it's about what 4:50 p.m. in the afternoon pulled in. If y'all know the story, walked into the front desk and literally said, do you guys rent? like a, a closet, a room, anything. And she said, of course, let me give you a tour. We walked from this building over to this building, and I walked in. I, I, I had a Samuel moment. When I walked in, I said, this is what Avenue looks like. This is the culture of Avenue Church. Like, this is it. And it was, and can I tell you, this was big. This was a giant in our minds. But then I brought Pastor Lindsay. She said, oh, we can do this. You know what I mean? And And can I just tell you, man, what God has rejected, he's also selected. What God's rejected, he's also selected. But before we get into being, you know, rejection and selection, I want us to see 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. Now, the Lord said to Samuel, you've mourned long enough. You've mourned long enough for Saul. Samuel, uh, man, he, he, you know, God said, pick Saul. If you were here last week, we learned all about Saul, and Saul became the king. But all of a sudden, Saul was disobedient three different times because he only had one job. And we broke that down last week, disobedience and obedience. But here it says, you have mourned long enough 
for Saul. And I really felt this deep in my spirit this week. Before we get into rejection and selection and King David, I want us to know that what God, that God rejected Saul. Uh, he, he said, you have more than long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king. Now I want you to know, didn't God pick Saul? Like God, like we did the whole thing. But I want you to know, God rejected Saul because of Saul's disobedience. God rejected Saul because of Saul's disobedience. Now, I'm, so a lot of times, here's what I like to do. I've been, I've been in ministry 21 years, but there's things in the Bible I don't understand. And but, so I want to bring it to understanding and share it with you. Is that okay? And so here's what I learned. Uh, man, this, this bothered me. God said, I rejected Saul. He even said, I regret it in some different translations. And this is what the theologians say. The theologians said, the rejection of Saul did not force the Lord to a new course of action. I get excited about that. The rejection of Saul did not force the Lord to a new course of direction. Rather, God's action followed his omniscient plan. God is all-knowing because one person cannot mess up the plans of God. And somebody needs to hear that today. What one person screwed up, it's not going to mess up God's plans. God is omniscient. He, he's all-knowing. He, he's already been there, and he was already there. You know how I many know what I'm talking about? Same today, yesterday, and forever. It's such a way to use Saul's disobedience as a human occasion for implementing his higher plan. Now that the king and their mistake in choosing him have been clearly manifested, God proved the, superior, the superiority of his own wisdom in raising up a king who would come in fulfillment of his perfect will. Amen. His perfect will will. And you're going to see elements of this throughout this message today of God saying, yeah, I picked Saul, but I wonder, I, I just wonder, and I'm going to go on a limb here, I wonder if, 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 if whether our obedience or our disobedience determines how we take the ride. Does our disobedience make it a bumpy ride or does our obedience make it a scary ride? Because it's scary trusting in the Lord, but it's a whole lot smoother than having a disobedient ride. And so a lot of times I want to ask you this today. How long will you mourn over what God has rejected? How long will you mourn over what God has rejected? And there's so many areas in my life I can look back and go, Lord, there's something I really, really wanted. Thank you, Jesus, for rejecting that. Because that wasn't what you had planned for my life. That's not what God has planned for your life. I've even heard it. It's not rejection. It's, it's, it is simply protection. It is not rejection. It is simply protection. Man, you've been praying for that. Maybe you're in high school and you're praying, I want a boyfriend, I want a girlfriend. God is saying, ha, ha, ha. it's not rejection, it's surely protection. Maybe, maybe you've been praying for this. Man, I really want this dream job. I got to have this career. And you're begging God for it. But God is unknowing. He's omniscient. He's already, he already knows all the inner workings. And God's going, no. Because if you get that job, you might just leave the faith. Or you might just have something occur in your life. It is not rejection. It is simply God's protection. But here's the problem a lot of times. We mourn over what God has already set in motion. So we're going, God, change your plans. And God's going, my ways are not your ways. And my thoughts are not your thoughts. Matter of fact, God's ways are much better than our ways. But until we learn that, until we learn that, we're going to mourn over what he has already set in motion. So God says, Samuel, I rejected Saul. You've mourned long enough. And I love that God gave Samuel a period to mourn. He gave him a time to mourn. There is a time to mourn. There's a time to cry. There's time for tears. But then he said, I'm going to give you some instructions. 
So Samuel, when he arrived, he took one look at Jesse's oldest son, uh, uh, Eliab, and he said, surely this is the Lord's appearance. But how many know God rejected Eliab because of his heart? Because of his heart. Go ahead, next slide. Because of his heart. Because of his heart. What's funny is I begin to read that, and I say, why did God reject him? Because I'm going to get to a moment about the, the firstborn son. But in 1 Samuel chapter 17, if we go a couple chapters later, it says this. But when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing here? What are you doing here anyways, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? Not only is he upset David's in his presence, but he's also belittling his actual job that David had. Don't let anyone try to undertalk what you're doing for God. And he says, I know about your pride and your deceit. You just want to see the battle. I mean, no, God doesn't look at the outward appearance, but he looks at the heart. And you know what's funny? Saul and David were both good looking. God doesn't always just say, I'm going to choose ugly people. Because remember, friends, God doesn't care about what's on the outside. He cares about what's on the inside. But that is why he's used me. Thank you, Jesus. You know, thank you, Jesus. You know. He just wants you. So what others select, God rejects. That also means what others reject, God selects. And I think we need a reminder of that sometimes. Because sometimes in this culture, in this day and age, people are selecting things that God has not anointed, that God has not directed, that is not part of God's plan. And so this is a great reminder of that selection. When, when it said, God, God said, I have selected a king amongst Jesse's sons. The original word for selected means chosen. And here's what chosen means. How many have heard the chosen word, right? Uh, the chosen, chosen. It's a great word. But here's what it means in the original context. It means to see. God says, I have understood. I'm spy. God spies at us. Come on, somebody. Uh, he reveals. I look at. I examine. Everyone say examine. I examine, I inspect, and I show. So I have examined what are the sons of Jesse, and I've examined the king, and I spy a king, and I see a king. And here's 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It says, remember, dear brothers and sisters, the few of you were wise in the world's eyes or as powerful or as wealthy when God called you, but instead God chose things of the world that the world considers foolish. Can I go to an amen right there, everybody? That's why I'm here, everybody, to shame those who think they're wise. He chose things that are powerless to shame those that are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can boast in the presence of God. Now, by the way, this shame here is not the shame that we think of. Shaming is meant, it's confounding. It's going, wow, God, well, how is God using them and not me? Because God uses the foolish, he uses the powerless, he uses those that are despised, and he uses those that are, not, that are counted as nothing at all. So everybody in this room, we are chosen by God. There is... Here is the job description, everybody. Right? I can't go to Connect one day. Well, are you, <laughs> are, you, are you foolish? Are you powerless? Are you despised? Are you counted as nothing? You can be used by God. But there's a word, um, prime, primogeniture, all right? Primogeniture. Did I go on YouTube and ask me to pronounce it? Maybe. But primogeniture. And this is, a, this is very important. Primogeniture was when the oldest son got all the money. 
The oldest son got the estates and all the assets. It was always the oldest son who got all the assets. When God does his salvation, when he does his work, he always does it deliberately in reverse. Deliberately in reverse. Deliberately reverses the world's values. Deliberately rejects the world's values. God chose Abel, not Cain. He chose Isaac, not Ishmael. He chose Jacob, not Esau. He chose Moses, not Aaron. He chose the old barren Sarah, not the young fertile Hagar. God always chooses the girl no one wants, and he chooses the son everyone forgot. Happy Father's Day, everybody. But so many times we get lost in what culture values and we forget what God values. Because friends, can I really get really down to the nitty gritty of it? Even when it, whatever your beliefs are, it, for God is saying, man, I, I, have, I have rejected that and this is why I've selected. And so God didn't walk into Jesse's house and go, I'm going to pick the youngest. Other translations, Jesse said, you're going to pick the runt, the runt of the litter. God picked him because of David's heart. Because of David's heart. Because sometimes we think, if I'm the oldest, God will use me. Oh, 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 well, no, if I'm the youngest, God will use me. No, God will use what's, what kind of, God will use your heart. Acts chapter 13. I love the Bible because here's the New Testament. And this is what it says. All this took about 450 years, talking about this time period we're in. After that, God gave them judges to rule at the time of Samuel the prophet. When the people begged for a king... And God gave him Saul, son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, who reigned 40 years. I want you to see this. God rejected Saul, but he still remained king for 40 years. God goes and anoints David, but that wasn't David's official anointing as king. It was David's private anointing as king. There's so many things in this life, and this, is, this speaks to me. This is, I'm, I'm preaching to myself today. There's so many visions and dreams and prophetic words I've gotten. There's so many words from the Lord that I've received and saying, yes! And it might just might take 40 years for it to come to pass. Just because we get a word doesn't mean we're ready for the word. Just because we receive revelation doesn't mean God, it's time for us to be in that season. And he says this, God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David instead of Jesse, a man after my own heart. And here's the biggest reason why God wants your heart. Because he wants a heart that will do everything I want him to do. Everything I want him to do. So here's the picture. God rejected Saul, rejected Saul and he selected David. And whenever God selects, I want you also to know, he also equips. When God selects, he also equips. So they called David out. Even some uh, theologians believe he, he held the flask of oil over, the, uh, over you know, Eliab and, and his other sons, and no oil came out. But when David walked in, it just started pouring out over David. And this is what the Bible says. So that David stood there amongst his brothers. Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought, and he anointed David with oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. How many know? From that day day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. And I love that whatever God selects, he also equips. For so many of us in this room today, God is choosing you and he's selecting you. Yes, many are called for your chosen. But because the, the road to, 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 to being chosen is difficult and it's tough. That's why it's narrow and not very wide. But I love this about the Lord selected David 
and then he equipped them. I want you to read this commentary with me. It says this. So David's inner qualities, David had great inner quality. He had a great heart, a willing heart. And this says this. God added something else, the power of his spirit. David had this gift from Yahweh, no less than the judges and saw before him. It was vital to the leadership of the nation. In this general Old Testament context, the function of Yahweh, which is God, the unction of his spirit was to equip individuals for military leadership. For military leadership. Friends, you are chosen, but you're also anointed and you're equipped. You are anointed and you are equipped. God chose you, he has anointed you, and he's equipping you. He has chosen you, he has anointed you, and he is equipping you. What's my job? To have a clean heart. To have a willing heart. I have a humble heart. First Corinthians chapter 12, it says, it is God who enables us. This is, it is God who gives you permission along with you to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts. In our hearts. It's almost like God is saying, I'm looking for a man after my own heart because it's the perfect place for the Holy Spirit to dwell. He has chosen you. He has anointed you. He has equipped you as the first installment that guarantees everything that God has promised us. Let me refer to the, in the Bible the gifts of the Spirit. And I wanted to go through this whole teaching, but I want to stay on topic this morning. But when he chooses us, we go to, we go to connect one day, or, or we simply just become witnesses in our household. Or, man, we just decide that I'm going to read my word, I'm going to pray. I, I want to get close to God. And, and maybe you had a different upbringing, and, and maybe, maybe religion has a bad taste in your mouth, but all of a sudden God is just restoring that. What of our vision? Our vision at Avenue Church is for you to know God. I don't want you just to know church. I want you to know God so you can find freedom, so you can discover your purpose, so you can make an eternal difference. God has placed gifts on the inside of every single one of us. But I love this word. It says that God enables us. And he's commissioned us, and he's identified us. God has enabled us. God says, man, I died on the cross. You are saved and sanctified. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ, but I have also commissioned you. I, give, I have given you a job. I've given you a job, and then I've identified you. I've placed unique and specific gifts on the inside of you. But here's kind of the, I think, the stigma sometimes we got to get across is that we're not gifts we're commissioned with gifts. All right? We are not God's gift to the local church. We are commissioned with God's gifts for the local church. And when we serve with the local church, that's when his kingdom comes from heaven to earth. That is when we'll see revival in this land. It starts at our homes, and then it goes into our church, and then it goes into our workplace, and, then, and it begins to overflow just like the anointing. But we are not gifts, but we are commissioned with God's gifts. Because, friends, can I just tell you, I don't know if I should say this yet, is, is can, I, can I just tell you, there's, I, I, and this is me, I've grown up in church, I have seen individuals who know they are so gifted, but since they're so gifted, they refuse to be commissioned. They're out of commission because they're so gifted. And I'm here to tell you, you are not God's gift to the local church. We are commissioned with God's gifts for his church. Same thing with me. I am not God's gift to Avenue. 
I'm not God's gift to Avenue. I'm only God's gift to Lindsay. Hey, you know. But I'm not, I mean, because here, every single one of us, including Pastor Jeremy and Pastor Lindsay, we're all replaceable. We're all replaceable. We're all replaceable because God is omniscient and no one can thwart God's plans. And so here's what it says in Acts chapter 2. This is our anointing. This is what happens when every single Sunday God's got a flask of oil and he's ready. It says this, on the day of Pentecost, all believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sign from heaven, roaring of a mighty windstorm. It filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked at flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on every one of them. And everyone present, everyone who was in the house, everyone who was in the house was filled with the Holy Spirit, began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them their, this ability. Once you see this last line, because I, I, man, I, lo- I love Acts chapter 2. I, I, man, I, man, I love praying in the Spirit. I love speaking in tongues. But I want you to see this last one. But the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. He gave them this ability. So I love that the Holy Spirit chose them. He commissioned them. But then he's equipping them. The Holy Spirit equips us by gift, by by, by gifting us and by examining us. The Holy Spirit equips us by gifting us and examining us. By gifting us and examining us. I've been trying to, something really funny happened a couple of weeks ago. And uh, Lindsay and I went to an incredible family's house. A beautiful home. And uh, we went there for some carne asada. Come on, somebody. Uh, some a beautiful meal. And uh, we were hanging out. And the moment I get in, Lindsay's talking to this amazing couple. And uh, I won't say their name, but it starts with Geron, you know. And, and uh, they lead our, uh, our, um, our worship host team. And, uh, man, we're having so much fun. I got permission. I got permission. And so uh, Lindsay is talking to Marlon and Saida, and I'm talking to Nikki and Matthew. And as we're talking, all of a sudden, uh, I hear, chirp. And I'm talking some more, and all of a sudden, I hear, chirp. And no one's making a move. Like, no one responds. And how many know, I'm ta- how many know, what, how many know what that noise is? Okay. And so as we're talking, he goes, blah, 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 chirp. And I was like, hey, Nikki, do you have a 9-volt battery? And she went, no, why? I go, do you hear that? And she goes, hear what? I go, your smoke detector. Boop. And it just, and it just, boop. Bless you. And it, boop, you know, it just kept going. And so I was like, let's, let's change it. Like, let's, let's, and she was like, I don't hear anything. And I was like, come on. I'm deaf. I have hearing aids. And I hear it. And she goes, no, I don't hear nothing. And I was like, oh, you're too kind. How about you, Matthew? You're 11. You'll, you'll, you won't lie to me, you know. And he goes, no, I don't hear anything. Chirp. I kept pointing at it. I go, every time I hear it, I'm going to point to you. So we're talking to mom and dad. And I'm such a child, right? We're talking to mom. Boop. I go. And they're like, I don't know. 
So later on, we, 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 thank God we ate outside, you know. We ate outside. We had dinner. We had great conversation. And can I just kind of pause for a moment? Uh, man, you guys are raising amazing children because they were asking incredible Bible questions. And we had such a great time outside of just fellowship and all that. I'm serious. Really, really good. And so then we go back inside to play a game. And back inside, I'm like totally airing out our whole day. I'm so sorry, you know. If I go to your house, I might not, unless there's a boop going on, you know. And so we go back inside for the game, and, uh, and, I, and I make a joke, and I go, maybe I could get you a 9-volt battery. And, he, and Marlon's like, for what? And I was like, really? <laughs> boop. You know, every boop, I hear this. Uh, and I go, do you hear the smoke detector? And they both go, no. What? We, boop. And all of a sudden, Sida's uh, sister was there. She's like, I don't hear anything. I'm like, y'all are crazy. And so finally, at the end of the night, they go, I kind of hear it now. Yeah, yeah, I hear it. I hear it now. So that was Friday, Saturday, we, you know, uh, Saturday, and then boom, Sunday morning. I walk up to the was like, guys, thank you so much for dinner. And Saida goes, you kept talking about the beep. <laughs> that by the end of the night, that's all we can hear. <laughs> I was like, I am so sorry. She's like, it's all we hear. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> And they changed it that night, huh? And they went and changed their smoke detector that night. I just saved their life. Thank you. <laughs> what does that have to do with our message? Nothing. <laughs> because they had grown so accustomed and so used to that beep in their, in their life. You know what the Holy Spirit does? The Holy Spirit sweeps in and goes, hey, You've been desensitized in this area in your life. Hey, you actually have incorrect theology about this in your life. Hey, I just want to examine you. And he's not doing it because he's mean. He's not doing it because he's annoying. You know? like, he's not doing it because he's upset with you. He's doing it because he sees your heart. And when he sees your heart, he wants to choose you because he has chosen you. Every single person in this room, you are chosen by God. And he wants to equip you. But friends, here's what we've seen with Saul. God chose him. God equipped him. God even got him a spiritual father. Yeah. I want you to hear that. But then Saul began to disobey God, not just once, but it's three different times in scriptures. But here's the problem. For Saul, God gifted him and equipped him, but Saul's character couldn't keep him to where God was sending him. And so here's what happens, friends. Don't you dare let your gift take you where your character can't keep you. Don't let your gift take you to where your character can't keep you. And here's the story. We're going to fast forward. We're going to be talking about this in weeks to come. But I wish I could remember every sermon I preached as well. But David becomes king eventually. It was a long journey from King David. This was about, they believe, about 37 years, 36 years that David had to wait. And so David becomes king and Man, you could see the anointing on David's life. You could see the favor of God over David's life. You could see how David danced with all his might. You could see what David moved the ark of God, the presence of God. You could see David have mighty victories. Every single battle David went into, he would pray and say, Lord, will you give me the victory of that battle? The Lord would say, yes or no. God would say, I reject that battle or I've actually selected that battle. And I'm going to give you victory over this battle. But then one day, it began to say that, when other kings went to war, David stayed home. When other kings went to war, 
David stay home. And so David went on his rooftop. And there's something that happens when you leave your post. And there's something that happens when you say, I'm God's gift to this kingdom. I'm God's gift to this local church. You know, I've done enough. You know, been there, done that. Man, I've been a Christ follower for so long, I deserve a break. But here's the danger in that. There's nothing wrong with that. There's, I believe, in mental health and rest and restoration. But my goodness, do it during your son's sports times, not during a Sunday morning. Can I get an amen, everybody? Man, there's, there's, there's times and seasons. But so many times, the first thing that we let go is our relationship with Jesus. Because it's easy. And I'm guilty of that as well. But David went on the rooftop at the time of day where it was known for, for, for women to, to bathe on the roof. He saw a woman named Bathsheba, said, I want her. He, he, he had his, his, his soldiers, his men, whatever, grab her. and He laid with her that night, sent Bathsheba's uh, husband, Uriah, to, uh, he said, man, Uriah, I want you to lay with your wife in case I, I got her pregnant, then maybe you'll think it's your baby. And Uriah, Uriah said, I can't leave my post. I can't leave my men. And so David said, well, if you don't leave your men, then, then we're going to put you in the front lines to guarantee you, you die. And so Uriah dies. David takes Bathsheba, marries her, has a child. The Lord takes away that child. He took that child away. And so David tears his clothes and he's mourning. The prophet Nathan spoke to David. And this is what David says in Psalm 51. Here's David, a man after God's own heart, but just like Saul, he disobeyed. I want you to catch that. Just like Saul, he disobeyed. But David says this, oh Lord, create in me a clean heart. Create in me a pure heart. He didn't say, clean me up, Jesus. He didn't say, God, I, I, man. He just said, create in me that heart that was once after God's own heart. Man, put that heart inside of me. That when I first got saved, I was so on fire for God. He said, oh God, renew a loyal spirit within me. A loyal, loyalty. Man, it's, it's one of the greatest things I'm even trying to teach my son. It's just what, the power of loyalty. Loyalty isn't you're agreeing with everything. But loyalty is simply saying, when I show up, I show up. Yeah. Say, create a loyal spirit within me. Don't banish me from your presence. And this is an Old Testament and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. And don't take your presence from me. And for David, it wasn't a notion of, man, the Holy Spirit equips me, gives me dunamis, dynamite power. But he's saying the Holy Spirit comforts me. The Holy Spirit equips me. And he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing, <laughs> make me willing to obey you. David did the same thing Saul did. He disobeyed. He screwed up. He messed up. And God just swooped in and said, I reject you. And I'm going to select another one. But the reason why God didn't do that, because this is the result of a repented heart. The result of a repented heart. Now I'm about to close in just a moment, but I want to show you how good God is. We go all the way to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1. And we're about to have to see Mary on the scene. I want you to see this. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah. 
He goes all the way down, and then and this was his dad, this was his dad, this was his dad, this was his dad, and this guy had this son, this guy had this son, and all of a sudden it said, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, and Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of King David, and Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, and once you see this, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Can we talk about the grace and the mercy of God? Who was Uriah's wife? It was Uriah's wife. And he says this, Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam, and it continues on, Uzziah, all of a sudden, Jotham, and Ahaz, and Hezekiah, and Amon, the father of Josiah, and then Josiah, go ahead, next one. Josiah is the father of this guy, and this guy, and Zerubbabel, and Eliakim, and Zadok, and, and, and Elihud, and Elihud, and all these different, these are great kids' names for children. I'm kidding. But then it says, Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who was called the Messiah. Who was called the Messiah. Don't mourn over what God has already set in motion. Because God will always select a repentant heart. He will always select a repentant heart. I'm going to pray with you this morning. I just simply just want to ask you, we just bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment. And there's two things I want to talk about before we close today. And the first thing I just want to encourage you today, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Don't you dare allow the enemy to bring up your, your past, your history. David in his weakest moments said, create in me pure heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. And you what David continues on to say in Psalm 51, he continues on to say, so that others may know who you are. So others may come to the saving knowledge of, of God. I just want you to take a moment with the Holy Spirit. Go ahead, team. Just Abby, just sing a little bit just behind me. And I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to choose you again this morning. And he has selected every single one of you in this house today. And if you have a humble heart and a repentant heart, remember, if you're brand new with us today, I encourage you to repent means to change direction or to change your mind. To ask the Holy Spirit right now, Holy Spirit, forgive me of my sins. I feel a sense today you might have to forgive some individuals in your life. And we're going to begin to see David having to forgive Saul over and over and over and over again and again and again. Until it was David's time.
I certainly don't want to embarrass anyone, but with every head bowed, every eye closed. If that was you today, and you're saying, Pastor, I, I just asked the Holy Spirit to forgive me. Man, I just want to celebrate with you. Because here's the thing about God. God is so supernatural that the moment we repent, God equips us. The moment we change our heart, God says, all right, I've commissioned you. I have gifted you. You've placed gifts on the inside of you long ago. That's what serving God is so, it's so fun. It's challenging, but it's also fun. If that's you today, just raise your hand and say, that was me. I repented today, and I gave my life to Jesus. Come on, look at those hands. We're all across this room. Can we give a hand clap today, everybody? It's awesome. It's awesome. What was that, five? I think five that went up real quick. And so will you stand with me, please? I'm going to do one more thing this morning. Everyone stand with me, please. I'm going to close. It's Father's Day. It's, it's Dad Day. And I want to just close this one scripture. And then Pastor Liz just could give up, and we're going we're gonna to crush it from Mexico in there. And then we're going to also hit it hard with our Father's Day cups. It says, I, I may have a dad bod, but I'm still a man of God. Dinner. And so I'm going to make sure you get those. But I want to speak to the men today. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. says, I'm not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you, as beloved children. For you, even if you have 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have one spiritual father. For I became your spiritual father in Christ, Jesus, when I preached the good news for you. So I urge you to imitate me. And so every dad in this house today, I want to bless you. And I want to encourage you. I want to say you're doing a great job, dad. And I'm saying you're, man, you, you may feel like I'm doing the best I can. But I just encourage you today. You are a father after God's own heart. Let's just start there. You are a father after God's own heart. So I'm going to pray over dads today, and I'm going to bless every dad in this house today. In Jesus' name. Can we all just kind of stretch a hand out to any dad in this house today? And I'm going to bless fathers in this house. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. Father, I thank you in the mighty name of Jesus for every dad that's in this house. Father, I thank you that they don't have to, to father alone. Father, I thank you that you've chosen them. Father, I thank you you've anointed them. Father, I thank you for what you're going to do in their lives through their children's and their children's children. Father, I pray for those that maybe desire to be a dad in this house and they don't have children. I'm here to encourage you today. You have spiritual children. You have individuals you're going to mentor and lead. You're going to say, I urge you to imitate me because I only imitate Jesus Christ. That dad's in this house today. You're a father after God's own heart. That you are a father after God's own heart. You are a man after God's own heart. So I pray you walk in that authority. I pray you walk in that anointing. For God, he's equipped you, he is leading you, and he is guiding you. And so I bless you as a spiritual father of this house. In Jesus' name, Dad, you're doing great. And the best is still yet to come. In Jesus' name, everybody, shout it. Amen.